UPS, powered by SET. Welcome to the weekly review on RPS, the radio show where two adults and a gifted young hopeful positive mind discuss some of the hottest and most relevant issues in pop culture. Today, Ben Cardew, Marvai Verdu and myself, Johan Wald, will filter the sands in search of some golden nuggets in the world of music, film and the lines we have to that massive thing we call the internet. Today we'll be talking about the female pioneers in electronic music featured in the recent Inedit Festival's high-lit documentary Sisters with Transistors. That will give us an excuse to fawn over electronic music's latest hype, Ella Minus. Uh, we'll also be hearing from one of our favorite musicians of the last year, recent years, Romy from The XX, who has gone solo. Our new word of the week shall be Freegan, which has something to do with a new movie by Miranda Julie, Kajillionaire, which also serves as a segue to talk about Abby Hoffman's anti-establishment best-selling guide to Freeganism, Steal This Book. And to mix things up a little, we'll say some words about the new album by ACDC. They say age before beauty. So let's get this ACDC business out the way. Ha, what have you thought of it? Me, I mean, it is what it is. Very much what it is, what it is. It's what we all expected from from an ACDC album. Um, and kind of it got the, the response. I mean, to be honest, like, it very much depends on how I'm feeling. Like, someday my response to it is just like, sigh, a big sigh. And some days I'm like, well, yeah, it's quite good. Like, it, it, it's a kind of thing, like, it's the very definition of if you're into this kind of thing, it's brilliant, you know? But, uh, like, with days when you can't be asked, good Christ. What about you, Mar? Um, I don't have an opinion, but the thing that happened to me while listening to this album is I could only be playing in my head the, what was it called, the Rock School School of Rock movie by Jack Black. To me it was just like, oh yes, this is Jack Black singing in School of Rock, which is a great movie, by the way. I, I just wanted to, it made me want to rewatch the best movie of my childhood, which is School of Rock. Does that feature ACDC or was it just that kind I of thing? I don't know. I think okay. it's it just... Uh, to me, it's the same. Like, uh, if I have to picture ACDC, I somehow picture Jack Black. I'm getting the feeling you don't know and you also don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I am quite okay with it. Yeah. What sums up the state of rock music nowadays? Your generation don't seem to care about the power of rock. What's happening to you? All these bedroom producers. Um, ben, you made an experiment, did you? I did. I was very pleased with myself for doing this. Okay, because like ACDC, last week we were talking about, you know, bands basically giving their fans what they want, you know, because Kylie Minogue had an album called Disco, and that was like, you know, uh, Uber Kylie. So what my idea was, right, we hadn't heard the new ACDC album when we recorded last week, but my theory was that basically, well, it doesn't matter. You can review the ACDC album without having heard it. So what we did is we tried, and we said we're going to come back to it. So I'm going to ask Andrea at the controls if he could just drop... Uh, our segment from last week when we were reviewing the ACDC album without having heard it and let's see if uh, we stand by our opinions I'm not being put off my concept Johan what do you think of the new uh, ACDC album Power Up it is great it sounds exactly what I've been expecting uh, since they since their last album the riffs are there the production sounds exactly the same as all of their previous albums um, Brian 
I would ne- Brian Johnson, I would never have guessed that he's been deaf, that he went deaf because his, uh, his voice and his vocal range is still up there. I'm always suspicious that they might have even used some of this technology that's going around that m- gets to uh, mimic old uh, defunct artists. Uh, marks out of 10? Oh, I'm going to give it a... Eight out of ten just for being <laughs> as great and expected and predictable as always. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a confident return to form to that classic ACDC sound. Seven and a half out of ten. It's their best album since the last one. There we go. <laughs> we'll come back to that in a week and see see if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, were we right or were we right? We were totally right. Return to form. Those are the three <laughs> words that come about when you listen to this album. By the way, Brian Jones, Brian Jones, this is the thing about live radio. I said, Brian Johnson, please, ACDC fans, do not mistake my knowledge of this band. Uh, it's one of the first bands that I owned on tape, actually, uh, if I remember correctly. I was being indoctrined by the elder brothers of one of my best friends. And uh, <laughs> that's why I, hold it. I, I cherish ACDC. I hold them very dearly in my heart. When I listen to this album, for the first time, I was expecting Arnold Schwarzenegger to uh, kick the door down and appear and say, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> uh, it, it, it felt good listening to it. It felt what we were saying about the the music we, about Kylie last week it's like ah things are still the same in a good way it's like when you go to that bar that you've always been going to you know when you go back to your hometown and you go to that that bar that you went to as a kid with your parents or whatever and the same waiter is there um, serving the coffees and stuff it's like oh, it's reassuring it's like there's there's you know there's no disarray which I think is uh, a positive thing well it's quite amazing there's no disarray if you consider what has happened to them since their last album uh, was released I'm gonna have to quote this because I'm not I'm not that uh, familiar with their history but okay so in 2014 founding guitarist Malcolm Young was forced to leave the band as a result of dementia. Long-time drummer Phil Rudd was arrested on charges of drug possession and making death threats. Uh, Johnson quit or was fired midway through a 2016 tour due to hearing loss with Axl Rose stepping in uh, to finish the tour, after which bassist Cliff Williams said he was done. Then Malcolm Young died in 2017, leaving his younger brother Angus uh, him who wears the iconic schoolboy uniform as the band's only active founding member. That was uh, LA Times, which helped me along with that. So basically, I was not expecting another ACDC album. This was a very tumultuous kind of period for them. Um, and this was the time for them to unleash their jazz odyssey, but very much mm. they did not release their their, their jazz odyssey. Um, they call it a tribute to Malcolm. Apparently a lot of the um, riffs were kind of worked up. Uh, by the Young Brothers, uh, you know, years and years and years ago when they were talking about kind of um, coming back for uh, new albums. And, I mean, it's like we were saying the other day that for a long time, and a new ACDC album has basically been a cue, you know, something to sort of justify them going on a very long tour. Um, and they can't because of COVID, obviously. So this is an album that has to stand on its own, which I guess makes it quite... Um, uh, quite brave of them to release an album now is it well it is because as they've said in interviews they they said you know everyone's facing this year of pandemic we keep it gets so boring to talk about the year of pandemic but you know it's what it is it's the time we're living in and they've made an album for all those people all their fans and they're not few who need some kind of um, escape right and this album is that and it's not only an escape from the dreariness of living in a pandemic uh, it's also 
inoffensively manly, right? Because inoffensively, inoffensively. Well, there are moments which <laughs> there is a moment which I'm going to draw attention to, which is a little bit cringy if you take it that way, right? On the song "Rejection," the chorus goes, "If you reject me, I'll take what I want. Disrespect me, and you get burned." Best keep me satisfied, or you know I'll eat you alive. If you reject me, I'll take what I want. Not exactly an anthem for consensual intercourse, shall we say? And Brian Jones recently admitted. Brian Johnson. Brian, I, no, don't confuse me. Damn it! It's Brian. Jo- Is it Johnson? It's Brian Johnson. Oh, I got it right then. I think uh, you, you've got me really confused. Anyway, he's called Brian Johnson. Brian Jones used to play uh, the player in the Rolling Stones who yes. died tragically in a, well, mysteriously in a, in a swimming pool accident. Um, Brian Johnson. So I did get it right the same the first time. Damn me. Uh, anyway, uh, Brian Johnson admitted he doesn't know what woke means, which if this was a young hip band, Twitter would have had them for breakfast with their goji berries and soy milk. But this is ACDC we're talking about. The youngest person to actually pay for this record has probably had two divorces already and has kids who are taking out their first mortgage. So they're going to be okay. And uh, what I mean about inoffensively manly, apart from that rejection lyric, uh, is that a lot of men feel that they're not allowed to be men. You know, this macho bravado of riding a Harley Davidson, you know, like every man in their 50s, you know, that's what you do when you have a midlife crisis. You buy a Harley or you do like I do, go back to skateboarding <laughs> and, and try and become a teenager again. And you and you start smoking Cohiba cigars and you, you, you start wearing more leather than you should. And uh, you even, you know, this album, if this were, if this album were footwear, it would be one of those biker boots that 50-year-olds decide that they buy, want to buy and wear. And after one trip down to Tesco, they realize it's uncomfortable and they end up going back to their New Balance sh- uh, comfy shoes. Just to pull you up on something, you appear to have a very uh, specific level of uh, how much leather we should wear. How much? How high is that? Well, that I how much le- leather should I wear? Uh, no, no, no nothing beyond a, a, a bum bag, a, a fanny pack. No, I mean, uh, organic leather, fair enough. Well, no, 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 I'm not going to open that debate. I think leather is good. But you know about that thing about wearing leather when you're riding a bike? It's like a second skin. It's the best way to protect yourself, according to Lenny Kravitz. Um, so I was just watching. That just reminded me last night I watched Kevin Hart's uh, new comedy special. And he was talking about how one of the one of his daughters fancied a kid at school who actually wore leather pants. And he's like, you know how uh, sure of yourself you have to be in, in school to wear leather pants? It's like only the only other kid who he knows who wore le- leather pants was Lenny Kravitz. Um, anyway, back to ACDC. Um, could, could I just say, I think this album falls down a bit on, on songs, to be honest with you. Like the, the, the bits of songs I liked most are the bits that kind of reminded me of old songs. Like that uh, Witch's Spell, which we've been listening to. I liked it because of the sort of jittery guitar intro reminded me of, of older ACDC songs and it is very much that, that kind of thing which is like oh yeah this one's a bit like that which is good which I don't think the, the riffs and the songwriting is exactly um, at their best and I want to open this to you Mark now you weren't you didn't really feature very much in that clip uh, talking from no. last week because Johan Just started like talking now, about you. I don't feel entitled enough to have an opinion on this. I said it reminded me of School of Rock, so that's enough. Well, I want to take it back to the School of Rock scale, all right? Mm-hmm. If Would any of these songs go in School of Rock? Of course, all of them. I, I feel like all of them were on School <laughs> of Rock, which is not possible, but yeah, I feel like they actually were. And, and I, yep. I think ACDC 
produced a school of rock or something but it doesn't make sense that this band was not actually on the movie <laughs> am i crazy or it has been a long time since i've seen the movie no they, no, he, they were they were the back in black featured uh, and uh, and jack black sings it's a long way to the top famously in one of the scenes and you know it, it's practically you are right it is it's got a lot of it, a lot of the children Uh, cover ACDC songs in the, and even the, Would the you aesthetic look at that? for once I'm bright about <laughs> something about music and he dresses like Angus Young yeah. in, in, at some point you know wearing the sort of uh, version of the schoolboy uniform mm-hmm. they are they are the the A to Z of that kind of rock isn't it it's almost like a formula it's almost like the mark for this album I think I said 7.5 can I go back and give the mark to this album basically the mark for this album and every ACDC album is ACDC I know that's not a number, but that's basically what it is because it's all you need to know. You don't need to like it's almost totally irrelevant. It's just a very ACDC work of ACDC that uh, is just as good as the last one, if that makes any sense. Johan, you you were more of a fan, right? Of ACDC? Yeah, you said no, you had the, I wasn't. What you said? You had the tape. I had the tape. I had the cassettes when I was very young, and I'm talking 10, 11 or whatever. And uh, I had Back in Black, High Voltage, um, Razor's Edge, because that was what came out at the time. So it was, you know, when you're a kid, you, you're not a, you don't become like a loyal, devoted fan. You just like what you're listening to a lot, and the video clips, and 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 because I associated it to my best friend's older brother, what he'd play on the car when we'd go surfing, that kind of stuff you know it's i have very fond memories but i've never you know i actually regret have having never seen them live myself because you never get tickets they always sell out really quickly and it's i was never that passionate about going to see them live which now i kind of regret a little bit and what amazes me is that even when they had all these problems with brian johnson going deaf and having to be substituted by axel rose uh They got very good reviews. Uh, my my friends who did go to see them, the friends who gave who gave me those tapes when I was a kid, they said that it was brilliant. It was an amazing spectacle, and I think it's one of those bands that that made the stadium spectacle of rock uh, something so reliable. You know, you're always going to get a good gig with ACDC because of the volume, because of the riffs. It's easy to chant to in any language. Anyone can sort of memorize those lyrics. They're not very complicated. They're not very brainy in, in, in a good way, in a good way. Shall we have a listen to uh, another song from the album? Sounds a lot like all the other songs on the album, <laughs> but uh, this is Shot in the Dark. As manly as hard rock or heavy metal used to be considered, Marvai Verdu has picked up on a new online trend that could become something even bigger, involving the devil's music, but with an inseparable feminine character. Mar, what thou bring us today? Yes, the perks of being on the internet 24-7 brings today uh, a person that's um, decided to cover Karen's to metal music. So, you know... 
Okay, I'm gonna. Wait, wait, wait. What's what's ca- what? Exactly. What is a Karen? Please I'm explain. Try and explain. I feel like we all know what the Karen is, and if not, you will know now. It's like the typical privileged, middle-aged white woman who is always racist and feels entitled to give her opinion on every matter, and it's always in a bad manner. She is usually a mom who lives in the suburbs and has this bob hairstyle and very bad blonde highlights, and is always screaming at you for some reason, and you feel very attacked because she's always screaming. Well, this screaming reminded this uh, musician called Andre Andre Antunes. Antunes, yeah. Um, uh, to the genre of heavy metal. So he created Karen Metal, which is genius. And he already has like two covers on his YouTube, which are amazing. Uh, one of them is, is a woman who is screaming because she feels like uh, they've been robbed uh, of democracy because of Trump's loss of the election. And she's screaming, screaming to the camera. And then he just takes this video and adds the guitar chord and... and there's a, a whole single of a heavy metal tune. So that video you posted uh, on our Slack, that wasn't, she wasn't, she hadn't prepared? No, it was it's just a Karen on her Facebook or whatever. It's a real it's, rant. Yeah, screaming wow. because Trump lost the election. And, and then he took the video and made a heavy metal tune thing, which actually makes total sense to me that's the most heavy metal thing I've ever heard because she's actually super angry just like you have to be for heavy metal so Karen makes the best metal artist ever it's true and if you know if there is a group of people that have been abused undermined and constantly put down by society <laughs> with genuine reason to scream and howl loudly at, micro- at a microphone in a fit of eternal rage it's women in Privil- general privileged white <laughs> women privileged white women wine mums no wine mums no. are Wine moms are chilled, no, exactly. It's not the same exactly. thing. It's a Karen n- is not. Do not a- confuse a wine mom and a Karen because a wine mom will always be the one saying shut up to a Karen with Look, her I yeah I want to say that woman's the opposite I like to think of wine mums are quite relaxed exactly. you know they got yeah. they got a glass of Chardonnay and and I obviously identified as a, as a wine mum yes and you know I wouldn't kick out someone for selling lemonade on the street I'd say yeah sell your lemonade in fact give me a glass and put booze in it what is it that, uh, uh, what is it that Americans always say like a wine mum would say um, do you no not do you knock yourself out Knock yourself out. I never understood that expression. Knock yourself out. You know, when you're like, oh, uh, excuse me, could I go down that run? Knock yourself out. A policeman told me that once. I'm like, okay, is that a good thing? (laughs) It's like, knock yourself out. If it had been the wrong kind of policeman, it probably actually would have wanted you to knock yourself out. I'm lucky I'm here to tell the story. I once put, seriously, I'm amazed I'm still alive. Once we were driving in in California, uh, when... This sounds very... In Palm Springs. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> and I got out of the car to... Uh, we were in a traffic jam, and it was taking ages to get into Coachella. And oh, oh, my uh, God. It was taking ages, okay? <laughs> I was, uh, I'm going to become a Karen right now. <laughs> it was taking ages, and it was we were stuck there for like four hours trying to get to the Coachella parking lot. And um, I, I saw this police officer, and I got out of the rental car it wasn't a mustang and uh <laughs> and, I, and i walked to the guy and the guy looked at me he's like what the hell are you doing and i'm like oh sorry sir you know and i was kind of like oh i'm interacting with the cop on the street you know and now i wouldn't dare to do that 
you know, after seeing, you know, what all I the kinda, things that I have remember happened. really, really well when I went to the United States at the age of 19, 20, and how scared people were of the police, you know. And, like, genuinely, you know, uh, we, obviously we didn't, we, uh, sort of, like, being British kids, we didn't exactly want to, you know, hang out with the police, but we weren't scared of them. They were genuinely terrified. It, it really... Um, yeah. Mexican police, police, they are scary because they come out with these kind of... You, when you see me- police in any part of Mexico, they're wearing, like, um, bulletproof vests and they've always got a machine gun on them. <laughs> you know, it's not like a p- policeman plod, you know, in Britain, <laughs> with, just with the, with the, with the stick... Cut. Cops in England don't work, don't carry don't guns. Don't carry guns, no. Oh. They don't, Only don't they? specialist ones. Only specialist, you know, whenever there's a terrorist yeah. scare or whatever. But that's something that always amazed me as a child. Uh, the fact that, you know, my mum would say, yeah, policemen in England only have a, what do you call it? The, the stick. Baton. Baton, that's it, a baton. French. Anyway. Should we have a quick listen to some? So this is Arch Enemy Never Forgive, Never Forget, the prime example of Karen Metal. <laughs> Okay, Andre, switch the music to Laurie Spiegel's patchwork. By the way, Art Enemy, uh, if you're listening, we don't mean to call you exactly Karen Metal. They are a legitimate um, thrash metal band from Sweden with a female singer. But we couldn't find any officially recorded Karen Metal. But if any Karens out there want to hear some metal mm, to take inspiration, Art Enemy would be a good place to start. Do you know what? I thought it was god-awful. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> well, this is a shout out to our very own Sergi Kushart for recommending, for uh, for um, leading us into. Um, what do you say? Um, oh, I'm lost for. I'm, I'm in the Karen. I'm still in. I'm still jumping out of that car in Coachella. Uh, Sergi for his wisdom on alerting us about female-led metal bands. Now, um, speaking of females, uh, we're now going to talk about. Oh, what a link! <laughs> what a shit speaking link of women. That, that's very bad. That's like a ACDC chord change. Uh, <laughs> zero subtlety. Dependable, though. Uh, exactly. Um, we're going to talk about female pioneers of electronic music, right? Uh, what you're listening to in the background is uh, Laurie Spiegel's Patchwork from an album that I've come, uh, I'm very obsessed with right now. So the cultural lockdown didn't prevent music documentary festival in edits from being celebrated online. This year they included Sisters with Transistors, the fascinating story of some of electronic music's female pioneers featuring Clara Rockmore, Daphne Oram, Pauline Oliveros, Laura Spiegel and many others. Um, for example, Spiegel, who we're listening to in the background, is a very interesting person to to research because she used to program synths long before DJs started utilizing them with controllers and has sent her music into space on board the Voyager spacecraft launched in 1977, personally handpicked by Carl Sagan. She reached for the stars. Uh, she's quoted as saying, Electronics let us make music that could be heard by others without having to be taken seriously by the male-dominated establishment. Um, sadly, I didn't get to see this documentary. Did any of you get to see anything from the Inedit Festival this year? Uh, no. no. Don't worry. I mean, uh, they, 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 obviously, it's, it, it's, it's no fun when you can't actually go to the cinema to watch it. But uh, hopefully, a lot of these documentaries are, are going to be available soon 
on streaming platforms. But what I liked about this story is that before, it, it's curious that they start that this documentary exists because I'd already been reading about these electronic pioneers and I found I found it fascinating that I hadn't read about them before in any music magazine in all the years that I've been reading them. Daphne Oram. She began her career at the BBC as a sound balancer in 1943, and within a handful of years, she was composing instrumental pieces while working in their radiophonic workshop, before setting up on her own in the brilliantly titled Tower Folly Studio in Kent. Listening to her albums, they are fascinating works of avant-garde experimentalism. What's shocking is that they were recorded 70 years ago using oscillators and tape recorders. A true pioneer. This is her Rhythmic Variations 1. Pauline Oliveros, on the other hand, she was a contemporary of Steve Reich and Terry Riley and is a very respected figure in minimalist electronic music, but you rarely hear of her as much as John Cage, for example. And she actually played with Terry Riley the first time he performed In C live. I'm obsessed with In C. It's 45 minutes of this looping kind of composition. It's very good for meditation. Mar, have you been meditating at all in this lockdown? Yes, surprisingly. I could have never done that, but I think I've gone crazy enough to be on meditation. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I highly recommend. This is a bit of, this is Pauline Oliveros with Private Journey. One of the interesting things about these women is that they didn't pursue the kind of success that has to do with album sales or public adoration. Spiegel was part of the New York New Music Plateau, but withdrew from this scene in the early 80s, believing that its focus had shifted from artistic process to product. You could say she's, she was a bit of an anti-capitalist. Oh no, that's, that's a bit harsh. Um, but she, uh, she, as I said, she managed, she's she managed to put her music out into space, uh, handpicked by Carl Sagan on the Voyager. And but she used she she still she designed a lot of incredible software for Bell Laboratories, which are the people responsible for the Nokia telephone, for instance. And um, she's uh, she she's been a pioneer not only in the music but also creating the kind of intelligent software and algorithms that construct music and computers. Um, Oliveiros, for instance, she develops her career around the philosophy of listening and using music to meditate and interact with the world in ways that can be healing. It's like they all share an ambition which isn't driven by ego, rather something akin to the maternal instinct of protecting and nurturing the world. And one of the takeaways of this documentary is that electronic music allowed these creative artists to make art and put it out into the world without having to deal with the toxic masculinity of the music industry. Their influence can be heard today on some of the year's most standout albums by Juliana Barwick, Mary Lattimore, Kelly Lee Owens and Kelly Moran, who has a new joint EP with Prurient titled Chain Reaction at Dusk, coming out December 4th on his own Hospital Productions label. 
Moran, who is a classically trained pianist who studied John Cage and Philip Glass, signed to Warp and has played live with One O Tricks Point Never and FKA Twigs. And she's gone on record as saying she believes the act of a woman making music is a kind of political act in itself, since we live in a world where women are expected to be quiet and are often silenced for speaking out. That's one of my absolute favorites. Her last album was was uh, on nonstop pl- repeat on my house. Um, Mar, what's your relationship with techno? I'm wondering. Non-existent. But I think it, I would actually like it, but I feel like it requires effort for me to understand this whole world and find artists that I would like. And it's I can't be bothered. But if someone did the work for me, there's well, any volunteers you're sitting right in front of Ben Cardew who has the ultimate authoritative uh, radio show on electronic music Line Noise yeah yeah haven't you listened to every single uh, of the 76 episodes I mean apart from Line Noise <laughs> I do not have I like I, I love that email that came in the other day from someone writing to RPS saying oh I really like the radio I really listen to Line Noise in the background and stuff it's like yes that's it, it's, it's well, I'm glad they said that, but I suspect they'll maybe just they'll try to be. No, 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 because no, they said line noise and tardeo and like it. It, it was it was he 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 was it, yeah it was a he mentioned three shows line noise tardeo and uh, new day rising, and the fact that they mentioned new day uh, line noise was a random pick. It wasn't like oh let me just look at what they have because. No, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm very easily persuaded. I obviously... <laughs> but leave it, Ben. You've got one yeah, of the top shows. I, I obviously wrote back and said, oh, great. Thank you. Glad you liked it. And listened <laughs> to the music because that, you know, I'm just that that pathetic. But um, <laughs> i got to say, actually, online, as we've been talking about um, female uh, producers, we've had an absolute run of incredible um, female producers on the show recently. We had Zora Jones... Uh, Lorraine James, Jada G, Kelly Lee Owens. That we've got some absolutely fabulous ones. Obviously, we've been we've been talking about ambient and atmospheric and experimental musicians, and we've gone on to talk about techno for some reason. But um, it's because techno, ambient, they're very closely related. You know, it's just a question of beats. It's music. They Two sides of the coin. Two sides of the coin. You know, take out the beats. And you got a retweet from Nina Kravitz. Okay, so here's the nice uh, trendy topic to talk about. Why do techno DJs, female techno DJs, get so much scrutiny? Because Nina Kravitz seems to get many things... She gets a lot of backlash sometimes for wearing braids or <laughs> for getting uh, accused of cultural appropriation. And uh, Amelie Lenz, I remember Richie Horton being a little bit salty with her because she was posting way too much stuff on Instagram. The answer is very simple because people are dicks, basically. And, I mean, and misogynistic, and they hate women. 
and it's very easy to scrutinize women. So also, I think in terms of techno, you do get um, some some blokes who think like, no, techno is our thing. You know, yeah. it's because it's quite a hard form of music. People are like, you know, you 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 know, if you're a woman, right, you go and listen to Kate Bush, whereas like we men listen to techno. It's like, oh, for for mm. crying out loud. I always remember, you know, like especially in Spain, like Mistress Barbara would perf- would come a lot. She would tour a lot in Spain, and uh, even Miss Kitten had that incredible moment in in the. Uh, mid 2000s when you know electro clash and then electro and dark techno was 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 really popular in the clubs in Spain and she was coming pff, nearly every week to perform and I always noticed it's like damn it they, they they have the hardest pounding sessions you know I'd see Mistress Barbara at Sonar and it's like she'd really cu- it's almost as if they had they were they were uh, compelled to be even heavier than Jeff Mills for instance or I don't know but I'm not. I'm not very well versed in techno. I'm. I'm not the. I'm, I'm like Mark. Well, <laughs> talking uh, talking of new producers, um, recently on New Day Rising, which is another of our shows, uh, Victor had a, a lovely interview with uh, Ella Minus, who's a new uh, Colombian-born presenter um, with a background as sort of a Metallica fan, basically. And uh, it's in Spanish, but I would really recommend anyone to go and listen to that because it talks a lot about. Um, in fact, what it's like to be in New York at the moment. I think it was just as the election results were all up in the air, um, and it's a fabulous interview. Should we just listen to a little bit of that? This is Ella Minus with N195NF, which sounds very much like a Norfolk postcode. When asked what she's learned from herself by making her debut album, she said this to Pitchfork. I actually heard myself in this record for the first time. I learned who I am. I also learned that I was obsessed with abolishing the ego in music, removing yourself from the equation and just serving the music no matter what, which is which I found resonates with what the female pioneers in electronic music were all about. It's 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 not about being present physically on stage or anything. It's about creating music and you know in these laboratories and stuff and and making it become something bigger than just the music made by this person. So I got the opportunity to talk to uh, another brilliant um, female producer, um, which is what another brilliant producer, which is Romy. Um, is she a producer or is she more of a songwriter? All of it. All of it. I think Did she produce her her new solo? Uh, along with other people, but this is what the clip is going to explain to you. Um, this is going to be going out on, on Line Noise uh, next week, I believe. Um, but I wanted to ask, because we were talking about Kaim and Ogue learning how to do logic in lockdown. Well, I was talking about how she learned how to, what she'd learned during lockdown, what she recommends for making music. And she did make her song Lifetime with, with other people. But she's definitely a producer. And she also makes songs for like Dua Lipa as well. So we talked about loads of things. We talked about disco. We talked about creativity. And this is just a little clip when I ask her about um, what she's learned in lockdown um, and the machines she likes to use. I wanted to ask um, about, well, we mentioned Kylie and I recently found out, well, she talked about it, that, that she learned how to use logic during the lockdown. Yes. Um, yeah, I read that too. Have you, have you learned sort of 
similar skills and kind of what what like music making machines or tools or things do you generally recommend yeah i, I really loved um that kylie spoke out about how she got more involved in, in producing herself and that's something that i think is will be really inspiring to a lot of um a lot of people to hear and i i definitely have done that as well i really wanted to just learn and get better at being more self-sufficient um so I've, I've learned logic. I've like, had some lessons. I've been doing a lot more production myself, um, and yeah, I'm just really using this this solo project to learn a lot more things to bring back, so that I can. I want to be more involved in general with the more hands-on with the XX. That's like always been my dream, and yeah, I've, lately in the studio, when um, Marta introduced me to a few people who are like amazing engineers. Um, uh, and a friend of mine now, uh, Francine Perry, who's incredible um, knowledge of synths and 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 like just kind of teaching me about analog instruments and just kind of getting a lot more hands-on with sounds and being more involved in in the production and in the engineering of everything has been like it's just a real goal of mine. Just because I, and I, I really I really really enjoy it as well. Just understanding. I'm I'm asking Marta a million questions. Like, how's this done? How do you do this? How do you make that sound like that? And, I think that's that's something that I, I, I really want to. Fans of indie cinema, rejoice! Miranda Julie has a new feature film coming out titled Kajillionaire, starring Evan Rachel Wood as the 26-year-old daughter of parents who survive in modern society by hustling every day through petty crimes. Have either of you seen Me and You and Everyone We Know? Was it was that the title of it? Her previous film. I think it is no, the not her title. Previous. But I haven't seen it, and I think I would love it. And I've I've seen the trailer, the the movie trailer of this of of Kajillionaire, and I I absolutely loved it. And and I think I would love her direct her other films. I don't know why I haven't seen it. It's oh, just it, totally me, I think. It, it's been a while now, but when 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 that first feature film dropped, uh, everyone you know she 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 became very. She she attracted a lot of fans because she is your classic indie filmmaker. You know, it's very pop. It's got the kind of aesthetics, the soundtrack. You can see that she obviously comes from that world. You know, she she, mm, she you know she's a DIY artist turned filmmaker who made uh, who made lots of has done a lot of performance art, and she's worked with Calvin Johnson of Beat Happening. You know, she's she's also the kind of filmmaker who gets a lot of flack from intellectuals. You know, I'm going to quote this thing that I read about her. Uh, she often gets lumped in with directors like Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, but says she gets more pushback than them due to her films being so emotional and feminine, being called precious and twee. In an interview with the New York Times, Julie explains that she likes the director she's been compared to, but they never get criticized for making films about themselves, though she, as a femme filmmaker, often gets labeled as self-obsessed. It's probably because she broke the cardinal rule which New York Times critics cannot tolerate, which is starring in your own artsy movie. <laughs> they don't like narcissism, whatever whatever gender. But um, I'm excited about the cast. 
Richard Jenkins, who many may have seen for the first time as the late father of the main characters in Six Feet Under, uh, Deborah Winger, fantastic return, and Evan Rachel Wood, who's always amazing, playing the codependent daughter. It looks like the typical award season indie darling that gets most of the popular votes for the acting. And I, I'm making all this assessment on the trailer. I still haven't seen the movie, you know, but I can just tell that it's just going to have loads of scenes with really powerful performances. Yes, and I, I think it's very on, on trend now. These movies on the mainstream, these movies that are indie are becoming trendy on mainstream because everyone wants to feel like they're indie. And <laughs> A24, the production company, is like being the m most popular production company. Everything that A24 touches becomes a hit. And this, even though it's not A24, it's universal, universal I think, um, it feels it totally feels the aesthetic everything like a24 so i think it's gonna be a hit for sure well did you see the uh, i don't know if she's still with him but she had a child with him with mike mills the guy who directed 20th century women <laughs> the yeah greta gerwig di directed no she's in 20th century oh women but she it's her uh, annette penning who's amazing and they have that wonderful scene dancing to black flag and uh talking heads and uh It was three. And Elle Fanning. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> she got amazing. The, <laughs> she got three generations of the hippest, most indie-loved yeah. uh, actresses. <laughs> All you needed was like a cameo from Sofia Coppola or something <laughs> in the background, like even though she's more of a director, not an actress. But um, but yes, uh, it's all part of that that wave of super hipster film directors, shall we say, which uh, I love. I can't help it. I love those movies. I'm, it's, it, some people say it's, uh, it should be called, considered a guilty pleasure. I'm not ashamed of my obvious hipster taste. <laughs> hipster I'm proud, I say. Um, so, but anyway, what's interesting about this movie, which I wanted to bring into the discussion, is that it kind of talks about freeganism. Yes, it, it's basically about freeganism from what I gathered from the movie trailer. And freeganism, which is a word that appeared recently, I feel, um, is basically, um, it relates to the, the waste and necessary waste that our society produces and unnecessary waste that shouldn't actually be waste because it's um, resources that can still be used and are not in bad condition, but for some reason they're thrown away like you can see it on the supermarkets lots of food is wasted but not only supermarkets on uh, like drugstores they throw away shampoos and everything and it's been kind of a trend and this is when you become a freegan um, to go to these the dumpsters of the supermarket or the drugstore or whatever place they're throwing away and then search in their bin bags um, for the products that are actually in good condition and, and this is a it's very good for the environment because it's not going to waste and you're taking it for free so that's a plus as well maybe you have to go through a lot of dirt to find the actual good products but i feel like it's it's kind of a hobby for some people like it's it's not their job it's it's their way of, of i don't know taking bargains because it's free mm -hmm. but also helping the environment because it's it's a good thing to do i don't know i kind of want to become a freak and i i don't know where the dumpsters of these places are but Why not? Well, Barcelona has its own sort of version of this, doesn't it? Whereby people leave um, the furniture on the streets on, well... Exactly. On Thursdays. Well, it depends what, what districts oh, you're yeah. in. 
and basically you people are encouraged to go and get it and uh, it's actually a real genuine pleasure when you've got some bit of furniture yeah. some chair that you have one for ages you put it down and gen- generally someone comes to take it and if they don't then the, the actual people come and take it up as, as rubbish but I think it, it works really really well have you ever heard of free cycle no mm-hmm. I think it's a British thing it's um it, it's basically an, an online network of precisely this when you want to get rid of stuff you're not allowed to sell it You've got to give it away for free. And it's absolutely brilliant. Like, I remember when I left London, I had all this stuff I wanted to get rid of. I signed up to, to, to Free Cycle. Actually, it was really... I think it was bizarrely hard to get rid of a, of a television. No one wanted it. <laughs> wow. Because it's big and chunky, isn't it? And, yeah, everyone wants flat screens now. Yeah. It was like, is it flat screens? Like, no, but it's free. It's like, well... Ah, well, that, well, I kind I had to do that when I moved to Barcelona. You know, I just gave away a load, loads of the furniture and stuff I had in Madrid. And ah, if I would have had a website to do it properly because I hated the thought of leaving stuff that exactly. I kind of cherished Wasting, out on the street mm, yeah. but usually anything you leave on the street is you know as they say your your garbage is someone else's treasure or whatever <laughs> yeah basically but this is the great thing ladies and gentlemen about linking the signals through pop culture in a time of pandemic in which we are going to face a severe global economic backlash researching freeganism may be of a lot of use for many people and is it just a coincidence that a few weeks ago I watched Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix, which stars Sasha Baron Cohen playing the activist Abby Hoffman, who wrote the best-selling guide Steal This Book, a book Hoffman urged people to do as the title indicates, which is why no one wanted to publish it, and you can read for free off the internet. The book is very entertaining and full of useful tips on how to feed, dress, travel, and basically survive for free or at a very low cost. Uh, There's a full chapter on how to organize a food collecting cooperative in you know, uh, less fo- lesser fortunate neighborhoods. Um, it has useful tips on growing your own food and, gro- and growing your own drugs and making your own free slippers using stuff that, you, you know, using old tires. Uh, here's an excerpt from chapter one on free food. In every major city, there are usually bars that cater to the new generation type riffraff, trying to hustle their way up the escalator of big business. Many of these bars have a buffet or hors d'oeuvres served free as a come-on to drink more mindless booze. Take a half-empty glass from a table and use it as a prop to ward off the anxious waitress. Walk around sampling the free food until you've had enough. Often, there are five or six such bars in close proximity, so moving around can produce a delightful street smorgasbord. Dinner usually begins at 5 p.m. So, you know, I found myself reading this, you know, I couldn't sleep one night and, and, and I couldn't put it down. It's really entertaining. But at the same time, as I say, it's useful. And it's like, you know what, a lot of... A lot of the bad habits of our society about the way we create waste and all this kind of stuff is sometimes it's about this pride of, oh, you know, I don't want to be seen taking food out of the garbage or, you know, or, or you know, it's, you don't have to, it's, it's, not get, it's not becoming like a panhandler, you know, or anything, which obviously if uh, I don't want to talk badly about, you know, if, if you're forced to panhandle, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy. But, um, but. I like the fact that researching veganism in the UK, it's becoming a bit of a student trend because it's a way to cope with uh, not generating student loans. You know, it's, it's very expensive to live in modern society. And if you're studying and you're not making any income, freeganism is, a, for instance, it's a very... Mm, 
intelligent way of sustaining yourself and you can make something collective and fun out of it. Well, how far would you go with this? I'm quite interested. Would you uh, pick up some clothing off the street and use it? Yeah, I have. Well, not off the street, but someone, you know, off, off, it, wasn't, it wasn't the street, but it was in a sort of public space and someone had left a lovely sweater and I thought, oh, it's too good to waste. Yeah. But uh, I I don't know if freaking like Zara or companies like this would just throw away on the street. But that you can find like lots of stuff that's actually good uh, w from stores that and uh, they're not allowed to sell it anymore. So they don't know what to do with it and they just leave it there. Uh, but they have to put it on a on a plastic bag. No. So you think it's trash, but it's they not. They burn it. Okay. In uh, big big brands, a lot of brands, yes. uh, this they burn it because then it's no pro they can't make profit. You know, the, it's capitalism. Yes, you know, yes, it, I, they have mm. to produce and produce and produce new seasons, new seasons. And what they do is the clothes that don't get sold, sold, they usually get sent to a country or somewhere that buys their waste and and disposes of them for uh, for a price. So it's one of these you know sinister chains. You know, I don't I don't want to become too much of a conspiracist, but I hate food waste and. I have seen that during the pandemic, a lot of these um, food banks and um, so, um, di um, social diners have been increasing in, in attendance. And uh, I was watching on the news how some people were saying, you know, I, 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 had, a, I had my own company. I was a, a CEO of my own company. I've had to close it because of the pandemic, because of COVID. And a few months down, I'm forced to come here to get some um, food to take home to cook, right? And I think, you know, it, it, we cannot allow food waste in this kind of situations, right? So it would be nice to find more of these uh, situations where you get organized and you, and you make sure it's all about distributing the food because distribu food distribution costs money. So if people who have time on their hands, I don't know, I'm just putting it out there, uh, want to do something good for the community, it's a good way to start. Freeganism, very interesting. Did you pick up any uh, again from this book? Is it, did you pick up any things you would actually do, or is it all sort of all right? Of yeah, it, yeah, yeah. right? I I think it's all of it. It's really I haven't really gone through every chapter and everything, but I've I've been really interested in this book, and I think it's good to mention that No Name, the rapper, has a book club that has lots of um, similar titles to Steal This Book, and if you want to keep up with the anti-capitalist agenda and um, anti patriarchy, white supremacy, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, she has lots of good titles going on on her page. It's a free book club that she came up with um, last year because because she made a tweet that she didn't know if there were viable alternatives to capitalism. And all her fans said like, oh, you, sh you have to get educated on these other stuff like socialism and communism. And now she's a full on communist. She, she has stopped um, performing. She hates celebrity culture and she has a book club um, for everybody. And, and uh, she has really good reading material. And as she says, she has reading material for, for the homies. And I think everyone should check it out. There's I, there's lots of books that I have on my reading list now, like um, Prisons Obsolete but by Angela Davis, but there's also poetry, like How to Cure a Ghost. And there's the, her favorite book, um, allegedly, um, called Pedagog Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire, where, where you can get introduced because she basically educated herself 
and discovered she hates the capitalism and then began a book club. So you can join her educational thing with her. Can I ask a stupid question? Is it a book club in the sense of do they then talk about the books? Yeah. 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 There's a, no, they're in person, but now on the in the United States, but now they cannot be in person. So you can join online by, by streaming and there's articles and stuff if you could not be in person for whatever reason. So it's really interesting. I, I love this idea. Like, um, I don't care. I don't want to be a celebrity anymore. I want to make a book club. And, and she did it. And I love her. I love that that tweet of hers. What was it? Uh, you'll, win, you'll turn me into a communist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she said, Twitter should have never dragged me for that capitalism tweet. You will turn me into a communist. And she is. I think she's the most outspoken, political uh, and everything celebrity you can follow on Twitter, even though she has now deactivated the Twitter because she gets lots of backlash. But she's just learning. And, and I think it's really cool to see her do her thing and, and nobody else is doing it like her like her well by the way i do recommend uh, the aaron sorkin's the trial of the chicago seven if you haven't seen it it's uh it's an enjoyable movie i well, i mean and and it and it shows you the importance of going out to protest or it's protest really w- sad right it is it is but well it it, it it's yeah it, it it gets you very angry in certain moments and stuff and uh, it makes you realize the importance you know here in we live in barcelona where protesting is a, a it, it is done very a lot shall we say and uh, you realize you understand the importance of of creating a bit of a peaceful protest anyway i think trump still on board of saying they're actually guilty so that makes him even more of a bad person, Donald Trump. As if he could get any <laughs> get any worse. Is he still in the? It, yeah, I think he's so. still. He he's has st- never said publicly he was wrong, or because he made um, ads for newspapers to say they should be on jail and incarcerated, whatever thing they were going to do, and he has never backtracked. Even though people told him, like, do you still think that? He has never said no. Well, Trump is always on the side of of the bad people, of yeah. Of the bad people, <laughs> but hey, he they, he didn't go to war with North Korea. He they, he actually tended a bridge. You know, that's that. I think that's. I always try and think of the positive side. Oh my like, God! If we've started to <laughs> not start like the positive these, oh side of Donald Trump, I think it's time to end. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's got to our brain. <laughs> ACDC to electronics to frugalism, it's been too much. Well, we're going to end up with a song that is not an Akon cover, whatever whatever both of you might think, <laughs> uh, even if it was your favourite track. This is uh, a little bit of Angel Olsen with Mr Lonely, taken from the Kajillionaire soundtrack. I have nobody for Wish I had I'm Mr. Lonely 
Wish that 